Good morning. Uh, this morning we're going to. Oh, excuse me. Uh, my phone's vibrating, and uh, oh, sorry. I gotta, I gotta take this one. PJI, what the heck is PJI? Hmm. Let's start with Dan. I don't think there's anybody named Dan in this room, is there? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Dan in real life. Um, this morning... <laughs> We're going to be uh, starting a bit of a movie series uh, for, for the month of January, and we're using movies as a means of, um, as a launching off pad for, for some of the things that we can learn about God and his love and, and about ourselves. Specifically this morning, we are talking about love and uh, God's love for us for the entire universe, but also our love for God. And... Uh, and I'm trying to coin a new texting phrase for all of you texting kind of people, PJI. And we're going to discover what that is together this morning. But um, we're going to start with a, a, a scene from Dan in real life. And uh, just to give a little bit of a background, Dan is a widower, uh, and he has three daughters. And uh, he's a bit uptight about their coming of age. And uh, in this scene, he's looking for his middle daughter who... Uh, ostensibly has uh, got tired of waiting for dad. Uh, Dan was late picking her up from school, and so she went to the candy shop and uh, because she got tired of waiting for dad. But actually, something else is going on, and uh, well, well, we'll find out what that something else was right now. Oh, let's go to Jesus.
stands for passion. <laughs> passion is that kind of love that just won't let other things get in the way. It's the kind of love that takes whatever it do, take, does whatever it takes, sorry, uh, to be with the, the beloved. And it makes the, uh, the other person first. You know, the, uh, the Bible talks about uh, passionate love. There's a book called, uh, oh, we've got another call from God coming in this morning. <laughs> That's okay, dude. Um, yeah, God talks about passionate love in the in the song of songs. It says love is invincible, facing fear and danger. Passions laugh at the terrors of hell. The fire of love stops at nothing; and it sweeps everything before it. Floodwaters can't drown love, and torrents of rain can't put it out. And uh, I think passionate love is, is spontaneous. Um, there's a word in the Hebrew language in the beginning part of the Bible, the Old Testament, called avad, and it's, it's got this spontaneous aspect to it. And, and um, we're reminded in the, in the Bible it says that, that God rejoices or dances over us with singing. And uh, even as the dancers were singing this morning, even though it's choreog- choreographed to some extent, there's a sense of the ability to allow that which is coming out of the heart just to, to be released. And the spontaneous love of God is like that. It's God chooses to love us. He chooses to adopt us as his kids, his sons, his daughters. But there's also this aspect of God's love that's just kind of spontaneous, a joyful, just, oh, what about this? I, I, let, let's do this together. Or I'm just going to do this for this person. The spontaneous in his joy rejoices over us with singing, but it's also also responds to those things that are, that are hard, that are uh, where sorrow comes into play. God's uh, love is, is, and is, pa- is passionate. It's spontaneous in the sense of there's a time where Jesus, one of his closest friends, we've talked about this several times in, in our church, a man called Lazarus, and the Bible describes him as somebody that Jesus loved and, and his sisters as those who Jesus loved. And there's a passion in Jesus that comes over him as, as he sees all the people crying, and particularly the, the sisters of Lazarus crying. It says that he began to, to tremble with emotion. He began to weep. I think it's a, it's a signal to the passionate heart of God that says, 
that, that comes beside us in our losses, but also just is angry. There's a sense where God is, is angry with us. He says, you know, it wasn't supposed to be this way. He knows that. And even though he knows that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead eventually, by him, miraculously, and even though sometimes we, we share a hope that you know, those who have faith in Christ will, be, will rise again and be with them in heaven forever, Jesus still knows that there's, this ain't supposed to be this in the world. It's not supposed to be this way. And he comes alongside us in that. And he's, and since he matches his sorrow with his anger, he's going to do something about it. And he does. And when the people standing around Jesus saw his, his expression of passion, they said, see how he loved him. This special friend. And Jesus in the book of John, I think it's in chapter 15, he, he's talking to his disciples and he says, you know, um, you call me master and teacher and that's right because that's what I am. He says, but, but I've come among you as one who's a friend. I call you friends. And so Jesus, in the same way that he had that passion for Lazarus, he has that for you and I. When we weep, he comes alongside us and he weeps. And when there's an anger, and this isn't the way it was supposed to be, God, he comes and he says, yeah, I know that. He loves us with passionate love. And I want to ask, when was, uh, when was the last time that you were passionate about something? Or maybe someone. I think, um, you know, Judy's testimony where we kind of, life comes in and stuff happens and it just squashes or quenches the passion that is inside of our hearts. Okay? We were meant to dance. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to dance like the ladies do. It would be cool to do that, maybe. <laughs> I think it would be cool to do that. I'm not too sure. But, you know, to have that spontaneity of, of just exuberance and being able to kind of release it. And not just enjoy, but to have a passion in our lives that, that is, enables us to be able to express our deepest sorrows as well to one another, our deepest brokenness. That's passion. When was it last there for you? There is a place for self-control. Um, but I think God wants to also see our hearts burning alive to be able to be, to be restored and then released. And Jesus said, you know, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I think when he says that, I think part of that is, is passion. That he desires for us to live life fully with all, everything that it comes with and to be able to express that with him and one another. So when you're texting, what does the P stand for? I was very passionate in your response. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so Dan, you know, it's been four years since his wife died, and it's been a long time since he's, he's felt passion in his life. But he, uh, he meets this girl at the bookstore. And, uh, and when he meets her, he has no idea that it's actually his, uh, his brother's girlfriend. And so... Uh, you know, she just happened to be passing through on this way to the family reunion that Dan was at, and, and they kind of connect, and he helps her find some books. He pretends to be a, a bookstore employee. But anyways, they have this incredible conversation, and Dan is really taken by her. 
but he doesn't know. So he goes to the house and he finds out that uh, eventually his brother introduces his girlfriend. <laughs> He's like, oh no, and it creates all this great tension. You'll have to see the movie. But he begins to fall in love with her and she also begins to fall in love with him. And eventually she breaks up with Dan, her boy, or Dan's brother, her boyfriend, and she leaves the family reunion. And on her way out of town, Dan chases her and, uh, and meets with her. And, well, that's where the scene picks up. Just give me a moment here because I'm going to have to switch some things, if you would. Okay, while I'm doing this, what was the most awkward um, moment in any kind of relationship that you've ever had? Okay, so talk about that amongst yourselves. What is the most awkward moment that you've ever had in any kind of relationship? Okay. (laughs) Go for it. Be passionate. Be passionate. I know. Nobody's ever had an awkward moment in their lives. Okay. That's all right. It's a journey. It's a, okay. I'll probably get to one eventually here. Okay, but right now, we're gonna, thankfully, Dan in real life is going to save the day. Okay, here we go.
What's J for? That's right. I heard it. Not justice, yeah. And jealousy. J is for jealousy. Did you did you know that um, that God is actually a jealous lover? When uh, when he brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He said this. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shouldn't have any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And uh, Paul was one of the early church leaders. And he wrote in a book, Second uh, Corinthians, he, he said that there were some uh, false teachers coming into the church that he had established. And they were trying to woo those people to follow them instead of following Jesus. And uh, Paul says this, he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. He says, I promise you to one husband, Jesus Christ. You know, when God looks at this and he looks at the church, he loves us deeply. And his love is complete. It's faithful. It's always right. It's always pure. And the Bible tells us that God just doesn't have these attributes, but he's actually love itself. And that he's reserved that love for his bride. And when somebody comes along and uh, tries to distract us from his love, or when we give up our love for him, he gets... Angry, it means action on his part. Now, it doesn't literally mean like a, a punch to the head like Dan got from his brother. But God does rise up. He does have a jealous love. Many times in the Old Testament with the people of Israel, God, God says, you've, you've wandered away from me. And he disciplines them in a way that, to capture their attention again. And that discipline isn't always easy. It's very, very, very difficult. It costs big time sometimes. But I think it helps us to understand that, that God is, is one who's, who loves us so deeply that he's not going to allow other things to come in the way. It helps me understand Jesus, too. When he goes into the, the temple, it's a story that maybe many of us have heard before, but he goes into the church of his day. And he, he comes in there and there's all this stuff going on that's not love of God. It started out as kind of a love for God. It started out as we needed to provide you know, offerings for people and stuff like that. But it turned, this place turned into a marketplace. They're buying and selling and they're, they're, and they're doing it at exorbitant rates. So they're ripping people off. And Jesus is like, this is not what my father's house is meant to be about. And he comes in there and he starts turning tables over and he starts scattering people out and he starts screaming at them, how dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? Get out of here! 
I think if we begin to understand God as a jealous lover, these things begin to make sense. You know, and I, I know for me, I don't necessarily like to think about an angry God. Right? Like, I, I like to keep it, you know, God's love, and that's kind of warm and fuzzy, and that feels real good. <laughs> right? But true love includes a certain amount of jealousy. I think, you know, if, if Megan was to, to, to share her love with another, my wife, if I didn't rise up, if I didn't say anything, what would that say about our relationship? All right? God is a jealous lover in the best sense of the word, not as one who is envious, but one who is passionate for us. And he doesn't stay on the anger side. He doesn't let it turn to bitterness. But he, he provides a way for reconciliation and, and forgiveness, as we'll see later. So P is for? Okay. And J is for? Okay. So here's, uh, here's the next one. I is for intimacy. And rather than... Uh, I'd like you just to, uh, to listen to this for a second. I don't have a movie clip for this, but I'd like you to listen to this song.
I love that song. <laughs> this is one that John's introduced to us recently at uh, a soaking prayer. And um, but just the way that it picks up on all aspects of our being, and that each aspect of who God has created us to be is made to for relationship with Him, ultimately. It's also for expression and relationship with one another. That's how he's created us. And that gives us a hint as to the relationship that he desires to have for us or with us. Um, one of the things that we like to t- say at Jericho Road, and uh, I think this is true. We don't just say it because it's a neat thing to say, but um, our title includes this sense of journey. And I think every, um, we're on a journey of faith. We're on a journey of seeing our, our hearts and our minds and our bodies restored. A journey towards spiritual maturity, but also, I think, a journey towards intimacy with who God is. With God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's what we're made for. And every relationship begins its journey with proximity. Right? You, um, when Megan and I first met, it was... Uh, we were both volunteer youth leaders, and we just kind of saw each other across the room at, uh, at a couple of local events. But it was at uh, a camp called Malibu, a young life camp that we went to, that, that uh, she kind of caught my eye. And so I was purposeful in, in coming in closer proximity <laughs> to her. And, you know, at first it just ended up being, you know, so we went for some walks around the camp, uh, just chatting with each other, we shared a few meals in the dining room, talked on the boat on the way home, and uh, and I remember sitting outside of. Uh, I lived in a house with like six other guys, and and I stayed in the van for quite a long time. And Megan just dropped me off, and every, all my buddies are like peering out the window. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> and uh, you know, and so we started to learn about each other in that way, and then started asking also other people, you know. Uh, Rick B.A., some of you will remember him. And, you know, and so just asking him, like, who is this Megan girl anyways? And, and then, you know, I, I still remember, too, um, when we first kind of started dating or whatever. I don't know if we ever made it official or anything. But um, she used to live on River Road, some of you may remember. And I, I can still remember that time when we were walking down the road and, you know, just nonchalantly the hand kind of grabs the hand and... And he started to, to embrace for the first time. And, you know, and that led to a kiss and maybe a few more kisses. And, you know, snuggling together as we're watching a movie on the couch. And Well, we're married and we have two children, so you know where the story's going. But <laughs> you get the sense of, of this movement from distance and closer and closer proximity until you actually become uh, one with the other individual. And I think sometimes, you know, that's, that's what God desires for us as well. And, uh, and for some of us, maybe, you know, like this is all brand new. And, and so proximity is, you know what, I'm here and I'm in the seat and that's about as close as I am right now. And that's okay. Because that's just where you are. And, uh, and so, but maybe the next thing is, is, is to kind of walk across the room. Maybe the next thing is, you know, eventually I had to say something to Megan. Maybe, maybe saying something to God, you know, it's what Christians call prayer. It's just simply talking with God, allowing God to speak to you. 
listening to his word as it comes in the Bible, those kind of things, maybe gaining up the courage to maybe sing to him. That's a step. That's another step of intimacy towards him. And I think sometimes it sounds really awkward and strange. Um, I remember when we were listening to a teaching by Alan Jones on one of the Tuesday night uh, teaching times. And he was uh, helping us to learn how we can listen and, and hear from God. And uh, one of the things he asked us to do at the end, and so Brad helped facilitate this, was uh, just write a, a quick love letter to God. I don't even know if it was a love letter, but just write a letter to God. And I remember writing, God, you know, you are so beautiful. And as I was writing it, I remember, and I think I shared this that night, it was just really strange for me to, to say those words to God. I just, I think, it's, I think it's strange that it's strange for me to think that it's strange to talk to God that way. Does that make sense? That's pretty, uh, <laughs> there's a whole lot of strange in there. But, but I think that's what, what God intends. And I think it's probably awkward, just like those first awkward moments where you kind of reach out the hand and hopefully it's not going to pull away when you, <laughs> when you reach out to somebody that you love. And I think it's kind of like in a elementary school, you know, when boys and girls get close to each other and, uh, you know, somebody maybe touches a hand or whatever and say, oh, you got cooties, you got cooties or whatever, right? Or maybe there's, uh, you know, they, they give a kiss and the kids want to run away because this is like so awkward. And I think it's the same with us and God, you know, like it might just like for me to write something like, God, you are so beautiful. You're such a delight and you delight in me. Those kind of things are really awkward for, for me to say just kind of naturally. They don't just flow off my lips all of the time. But I think that's okay because as we mature, we begin to realize that and to understand and experience the love of God. We experience two things, I think. You know, there's, there's the vulnerability of it. It's like, God, I want to say that you are good. But when I say that, I'm saying, man, you better come through. There's a vulnerability there. God, I want to love you with my whole being. Will you love me back? There's a vulnerability. But, they, but you also get to experience the beauty of a touch. If I can say a kiss, an embrace. We begin to be able to expose ourselves to one another. Um, <laughs> okay, you want an awkward moment? So, um, uh, I don't know if this is going too far. Megan, please forgive me. <laughs> it's both a moment of great vulnerability and also of great joy. And um, <laughs> maybe this is a journey from, you know, okay, we got married and you know, you, and you have the reception and everybody's around and you're kind of sharing yourselves with everybody else, right? Because everybody's come a long way and they've come to celebrate with you. But then as a jealous lover, you steal away and you go on the honeymoon. And the awkward moment, right, is like, is when you, you, you make yourself vulnerable. You expose yourself to one another totally. And I remember it was both awkward and this greatest joy where it's just like, I don't know if this is a, a good analogy. My brother has an ostomy, a bag on his belly because his stomach doesn't work properly. And the first thing that he did is he said, hey, have you seen my ostomy? And he just started showing everybody, right? And I think it was the same thing for me when we, when we enter marriage. Eventually, it's just like, here I am, all of me, and it ain't too pretty, but it's what you, what you said you would love for the rest of your life. Is that, 
it's both awkward, <laughs> but it's also a great joy because there's an acceptance of all of me. <laughs> and I think as we expose ourselves in that way, as we make ourselves vulnerable, we enter into the life of the other in the fullest sense of the word. And Jesus, as he's uh, preparing to go to the cross and he's talking with his friends, he prays a prayer to God that, that everyone who believes in him through the disciples' message, the disciples' gospel, would be one. I'd just like to read it for you. He says, My prayer is not for my, my, my disciples here right now, not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. So, Father Jesus prayed, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and my followers know that you have sent me. And I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known to them, in order that the love that you have for me may be in them. And he says this, and that I myself might be in them. If there is a passage of intimacy, I think, it's this one. It's, it's God living in us in the fullest sense of the word. And us also making ourselves available, exposing ourselves, but also becoming intimate with him in the fullest sense of the word. So P is for passionate. J is for a jealous love and I is for intimate. And we're going to come into communion. And I have a few questions maybe just to, to finish up. When did you last uh, get goosebumps when you drew near to Jesus? When did you last get a sweaty palm or, or have your heart leap up into your throat? If it's been a while, that's, you know that's okay. Jesus wants to call us back to himself. Originally, this, uh, this message was meant to be called My First Love. And there's a passage in the book of Revelation where Jesus is speaking to a number of the new churches that have just been established. And this is what he says to this church in a city called Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds and your hard work and I know your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wickedness and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and you've found them false. You've persevered, you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. So remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent. Repent means basically turn around. Come back to me, your first love. And do the things that you did at first. So, you know, if, if we don't have goosebumps, if we don't have the sweaty palms, 
all the time. And, you know, I only get that sometimes anyways. And I think, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's any of us that have experienced marriage or a long-term relationship know that there's a certain amount where you get to know each other and it's not always goosebumps. <laughs> there's a lot of day-to-day stuff. And Jesus is right in, in the mix of that with us as well. But, but if you're desiring to get to, to come into a passionate relationship with God, just, just take the next step. If you've never held his hand, do that. If you've never crossed the room, do that. If you've never said, God, I want to embrace you, ask him for his embrace. Because we know that he's gaga over us. <laughs> he's, all, he's just crazy for us. And we know it because he didn't maybe get goosebumps all over for us when he says that he loves us, but he allowed his body to be broken for us. He maybe didn't get sweaty palms when he thought about us and his love, but he allowed his palms to be pierced for our sake on the cross. And he, maybe his heart did or didn't jump out of his chest, I don't know, but he allowed his chest to be pierced, his heart to be pierced. And his passionate love literally flowed out of him for us. The second question is, are we jealous for God? Because we know that he's jealous for us. And as we come to communion, communion is a chance, an opportunity to, to say, God, I've started chasing after other things, other loves. I confess that. And Jesus says, my body was broken for you. My, my blood was shed for you to bring us back into right relationship. So come, receive. And how badly do you want to be intimate with God? And just imagine how badly does, does God want to be intimate with us? I think as we reflect on the cross and as we come into communion, Jesus says this about his love. He says, you're to die for. You're to die for. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you did come as we've just celebrated Christmas. But, and we've noted that it wasn't just for you to stay in a manger. It's nice and baby Jesus, meek and mild. But that you came to reveal the passionate, jealous, intimate love of God for, for each of us. For the whole of your creation. And I confess, Jesus, that I'm still got lots to learn and lots to grow in in terms of my own passion for you. And I confess that I'm not jealous for you and your love like you are for mine. I confess that I go after a lot of other things to, to sense love and to feel affirmed. And I share my intimacy with other things even other people, in ways that make you second or third or, or fourth. But I thank you that, and we thank you together as a church, that, that we don't have to stay there, that you've made a way for us to, to draw near, to grow in our intimacy and our passion, our relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would... Uh, Take our hearts um, and do with them as you please.
because we know that you are love. You are perfect, pure, passionate love. Take our hearts and do with them what you will. We make ourselves vulnerable to you, whatever that means for each one of us. Thank you that you are faithful to draw near as we draw near to you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.